morning. I'd like to greet each of you in Christ's name this morning. And happy Mother's Day to each of you mothers here this morning. I entitled the message this morning, Jesus Has Compassion on Mothers, and Mothers Have Compassion on Others. Um, it's hard to know what to say about mothers. All my life, I had, uh, have been and continue to be surrounded by uh, outstanding mothers. Uh, my my grandma, I never knew my grandmother on the Bowman side. Uh, she died before my mom and dad were married. Uh, but my grandmother, did I say my mother's side? My father's side. My mother's side, I knew my grandmother very well. My mom was next to oldest. Uh, my grandmother had 11 children, and she was a very little woman, but very godly, and, and had a big task before her with these, these 11 children. Um, my mother uh, cared for these younger siblings and came into the home with uh, lots of experience. And was a very good mother. Uh, unfortunately, she had one child. Uh, very soon after, uh, that nothing unfortunate about that. But she had one child, and then unfortunately, she had trouble having more. She had uh, a number of miscarriages, stillborn, and people were telling her, you know, just be happy. You have one. <laughs> uh, but she wasn't content with this one. And later there were five more of us. Uh, I was third of that string of five. And uh, my mother was a very, uh, during her childbearing years, she was very uh, sickly because of all these miscarriages and so forth. But very strong spiritually and was able to carry our family through some difficult times when my father had emotional struggles. Uh, she was she was there, and uh, I'll never forget how she told me one time how when Daddy was no longer able uh, because of his emotional struggles to lead in family worship, that she picked it up, and as he healed, she went to him one morning and said, tonight, when it's time for family worship, I'm going to sit there, and I'm not going to do anything. I did it when you couldn't, but now you can, and you will take your rightful role. And so when that evening came, she just sat there and let him assume his rightful role. That, that takes a good lady to do those things. As I was going through my uh, years of looking for a wife, I was very much looking for a mother for my children. That was very much a part of what I was about pursuing. And maybe that's why it took me so long. I don't know. It took me almost 30 years found her. 
And uh, she is a very good mother. One of my sons in his Mother's Day card told her that he's looking for a young lady like her. And that'll probably take him a while, too. Uh, my daughters never say that. That they're looking for... And they're sure they can do better, and they are. <laughs> I came across a number of very good quotes um, about mothers. I'd like to share some of them with you. Some of these are ones I'm sure you've heard before. Um, here's one. The most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. If fathers could really get their minds around that, uh, most homes would improve. Theodore Hesburgh uh, came up with that quote. All that I am, or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Abraham Lincoln said that. I don't think he had but so many years with his biological mother. But he had a huge impact on his life. And he did not have an easy life. He had a very hard life. I like this one. When your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? It is a mere formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no. You're going to get it anyway. <laughs> and that's most of us have experienced that. A school teacher once said, tell mothers to train their children so that I don't have to do it for them. Before becoming a mother, I had a hundred theories on how to bring up children. Now I have seven children and only one theory. Love them, especially when they least deserve to be loved. Uh, you mothers all know about those times when it's just really hard. It's the act of the will to love. I'd like to look now at... at uh, oh, yeah. I'd like to look now at uh, Jesus and his compassion that he chose for mothers. Uh, most of these are fairly familiar stories, some not quite as familiar, but we'll move through them pretty rapidly. And then I want to look at ways that mothers can show compassion to others. And then I have a few warnings for mothers, things to be alert about in the day in which we live. Please turn with me to Luke 7. Jesus here has compassion on a widow. Uh, it's just a short little story inserted in here. We don't know anything more about these individuals, but it's, it's, a, it's a little story that, that blessed my heart again reading it. Luke 7, verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city were with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, 
and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the beard, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. We could say it was a coincidence or something, but it wasn't. Uh, Jesus was there, and he saw this, this mother that was grieving deeply. She felt so alone. Her husband was gone, and now her only son had passed away. And here Jesus came and had compassion on her circumstances and, and met her need. Go back to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, we'll start reading at verse 21. And Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out and the same, out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, Am I not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answering said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This lady was aware that Jesus was a Jew and his ministry was to the Jewish people, but she saw the person who could meet her needs was here, and it was the only place that she could turn to. He was the only one that could meet her needs. And he, she saw in him the compassion that he poured out on her, even though she realized that she was a Gentile. God's grace and mercy was there for her, too. And she had strong faith, and the faith uh, was rewarded. Luke 23. This is at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. This maybe is not as well known, but uh, I think you will remember this little exchange just tucked in here, just a few words. Again, it's uh, words to people we don't know anything else about, but 
their mothers. And Jesus has some words of advice for them. Luke chapter 23, let's begin reading at verse 27. And there followed, he was on his way to the, to the cross, carrying his, uh, his cross. And there followed him a great company of people and a lot of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turned unto them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paths which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. Jesus saw these, uh, these ladies being troubled about his death, and he, he had a word for them, you know, pray for yourself, for your children. There's a time coming that it's going to be very difficult for you. And, you know, for a mother to wish that she never bore children because of what they have to endure. And there's people in our day that have thoughts like that as they watch their children starve and as they watch uh, refugee camps overflowing and and their the basic needs for their their very own offspring are out of reach. Uh, it's, it's, it's just that's a difficult place for any mother to find herself. And uh, Jesus is warning these ladies at that that time that time is coming. Also at the cross, uh, let's look at. At John 19, a very familiar exchange where Jesus has compassion on his own mother. You have to wonder sometimes what all was entailed in that relationship between Jesus and his mother. Uh, Jesus, obviously being aware of everything, uh, knew everything that went through his mother's heart and mind, and and he knew what she was going to experience before she knew it. And uh, I'm sure that, that his heart overflowed with compassion for her, all that she endured to bring him into the world, the shame, the reproach, and, uh, and he had to know what it was going to do to her heart to see him, you know, dying on the cross. And I think by this time, Mary probably understood a lot. And I think she probably understood by this time that he was dying there on the cross for my sin. Imagine her there being torn, really realizing that her own sinful heart caused this beloved son of hers to have to die this death. Uh, that would be a, a grand mixture of emotions and feelings. Um, but here, there on the cross, in, in his dying, perhaps, minutes, he, uh, he remembers his mother. And in verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. <coughs> When Jesus therefore saw his mother 
and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he saith unto his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her unto his own home. I thought of looking at the life of Mary kind of exclusively this morning, uh, but Gabriel uh, touched on that in, in his devotional and, and uh, yeah, there's, uh, we often turn to her because she's probably the only mother in the Bible maybe that, that is picture-perfect. Uh, but I, I went a different route this morning, but I, I, I do think uh, we need to remember um, what an excellent mother she was, the way she pondered things, and uh, the way she saw things being said to her that she did not understand but realized they were significant and tucked them away for some future uh, time when she would better understand them. And, and we all do well to, to do that, to ponder things away and, and, and learn from them even when we, we don't understand their meaning at the moment. Mary was an excellent example of that. I think Mary was a servant. Remember the, the, the miracle of the water being turned into wine. She was there serving. Um, we don't know, hear much about Joseph. Maybe he was no longer living at that point. But she was there serving. And um, she, was, she was a godly, a very godly woman. In Mark 10, uh, Jesus has compassion on mothers. Now, I'm, a, I'm assuming a little there. The scripture doesn't necessarily say the mothers were present, I don't think. Mark 10, starting at verse 13, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. I don't know how many of you have pondered this. I remember a number of years ago, I think it was uh, back when I was studying at SMBI, that the context here has really impressed me. Uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples um, about divorce. And, and then immediately followed with children. Um, I had to wonder if there's significance there. Oftentimes when we think of uh, divorce, you know, the, our heart just goes out to the hurting children that get or become victims of a circumstance totally beyond their control. And um, had to wonder if maybe these children were those kind of children. And the question was, well, 
what about these hurting children? If we follow your teaching, that'll add hurt. And Jesus says, bring them to me. I'll bless them. I will bless them. Whether their mothers were present or not, Jesus was blessing children that had mothers. And uh, hopefully they were good mothers. And hopefully they were were the ones bringing them to Jesus, regardless of their marital status or family situation, they knew where to find answers for for their children. Now I'd like to think a bit about mothers. Uh, have compassion on others. Uh, we won't have time to, to look at all these examples, uh, but I'll just refer to them in, in their familiar stories you will remember. Uh, in Second Kings 4, we have... Uh, maybe we'll just turn to that one and refer to the others. Second Kings chapter 4, we won't read this, but, but you can turn there. Um, Elisha um, would go through this, this place of Shunem, and uh, there was a great lady there, he says, and he would stop by there to, to eat, and, and this became a pattern. And this lady, uh, obviously a God-fearing lady, decided, you know, this, this is, there's more we can do here for, for this man. At this point, this lady was not a mother. And, and I would have a word for, uh, lest I forget to mention it later, um, for you ladies here that are not mothers, that does not mean you can't do some mothering. Um, there's examples throughout Scripture of people, and, and I want to refer to some of those that, that are not uh, stated as mothers, but they did a lot of reaching out to people. They did a lot of mothering. And here was a lady that was doing just that. They, they built a room for Elijah, and, and this became a pattern for him and his servants to uh, behave as to stop in there. And then one day they, they wanted to bless her, and, and uh, the servant pointed out that she doesn't have a child. So uh, Elijah said that, that she will be blessed with a child, and then we know how the child was born, and the child got sick, and the child died. And this, this God-fearing lady knew what to do when her child died. She must go see Elijah, the prophet of God. And so she hastened there and told him, and he was going to send his servants to deal with it. And she says, no, I'm not leaving you. You're coming with me. And with her insistence, he went and followed her and raised the child back to life. A lady that, that reached beyond her family and, and ministered to Elijah and, and the servants. In Acts 18, we have uh, Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila, reached out to, to Paul and provided a home for him. I don't think we have any mention in Scripture about Paul's mother. Uh, 
Maybe he didn't know who his mother was. I'm not aware. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we have reference to his mother. And, uh, but here Priscilla reached out and provided a home for Paul, at least for a short period of time. And, and that relationship carried on. We can see throughout Paul's writings that, that they had an ongoing uh, relationship. She also reached out to uh, Apollos and, and uh, her and her husband. Mary and Martha, I don't think we have any record that they were mothers. But they, they provided a home. They reached out in hospitality to Jesus and his disciples again and again, it would appear. And, and it scripture says that Jesus loved them. And he loved Lazarus. And he, he uh, reached out to that family and, and was a, they were a blessing to him and he was a blessing to them. And you can do that whether you're married or single. You can take your, your motherly instincts and, and bless others. In Acts 16, we have the story of Lydia in Philippi. Uh, Paul and Silas went there on their, on their missionary journey, and uh, she opened up her home. She opened up her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then she opened up her home to them and, uh, and blessed them. And we have no record that she had any children. But she was mothering those that needed that. So I would challenge you mothers, you ladies, uh, have a vision that goes beyond your own home. We live in a world with an increasing amount of dysfunctional homes, and we all know that. It's, it's all around us, and it's even in our own family circles, and even comes into our our churches at times. This uh, leaves children that don't have a mother, at least not one that is functioning as God intended. And this is, this is a real opportunity to reach out and to make a difference uh, for uh, a motherless individual and, and really have an impact on their lives. There are also maybe folks uh, in your church or that uh, their mother's many miles away, and here they are uh, in, in your circle of influence. Their mother's not near. You can reach out and, and provide that for them, and I've, I've observed some of you doing that to, to young ladies here in, in our community. It could be a teenager. It could be a busy young mother that has children of her own, but her mother is not here, and you can reach out and provide and help and encourage this young mother that would so much like to have her own mother close by. It could be a college student. Uh, don't minimize the impact of what this can have on an individual. Uh, how many of you have read Robert Day's book, uh, Worst of Mothers, Best of Moms, I think, maybe? Of you, I would encourage you to read that book. That is a perfect example of what I'm just saying here. His, his mother was very ungodly, and he does not try to paint it otherwise. Uh, but there was another lady that reached out to him and made a difference and helped him to find God and helped him to find 
structure to his life and meaning. And, and he pastored for a number of years, and for the last six years, maybe, he's the director, I'm not sure exactly what his title is, of Patrick Voice. Pennsylvania uh, Family Services, I guess it's called. It's much broader than a boys' camp uh, anymore. And uh, some of you've met him and know him. He's just an outstanding man. And that lady made a difference in his life. She had no obligation to him, no biological connection, but she reached out to him and just told him, taught him basic things like how to change dirty clothes on a regular basis so that you don't smell bad, which is something he was never taught. And uh, it was, it's, it's a very captivating book. A few warnings uh, for mothers. I thought he's hard to read like Wayne uh, says. Uh, how about 10 minutes? Uh, a few warnings to mothers. Be careful about role reversal. Uh, some mothers are just a more natural leader than some fathers, than their husbands. Uh, taking charge of a situation uh, just comes natural for them. Something happens. He hesitates. He feels something must be done. He still hesitated. Finally, he does something. He backs off. The next time an event happens, he hesitates more yet. And she does something a little quicker than the last time. And this becomes a vicious cycle. Uh, if that, I, I don't have anybody in mind here, uh, but if this sounds natural and normal for your home, I would, I would suggest that you sit down and talk about it. Get it out on the table and, and say, you know, dear husband, I think maybe Rich was talking about me this morning. Uh, and try to get back to your God-given roles. It's going to be a challenge if you find your natural tendencies that way. Uh, my friend Dan, which probably not and no one here knows, uh, he was the best man in my wedding, and we've been good friends for years. We don't see each other much anymore. But he's in this situation. And I asked him one time, Dan, how do you make it work? Because it appears like it's working. <laughs> And it's obvious. Uh, I'll, I'll admit, I struggled when my dear friend Dan brought this young lady around. It's like, Dan, you're such a nice guy. You could have had any young lady in the world you wanted, and why did you choose her? It was frustrating to me. Uh, but it worked. And, I, and he, I asked him just a couple of years ago, and he said the way it works, is we sit down regularly and talk about it. That she just naturally leads out and I naturally hesitate. Uh, so the only way to make it work is to constantly be on guard and talk about it and try to try to keep in their proper roles and 
And for them, it is working. They're raising a godly family. I think they're grandparents now. They have at least one or two children married. And uh, they're making it work. So you can too. Another warning. Be careful about screen time. Allowing it to babysit and entertain your children, even your teenagers, or maybe even yourself. Uh, how many of you read Samaritan Ministries? How many of you are part of Samaritan Ministries? Just a few of you. They had an excellent article in their their last uh, came out with their last bills about this very subject, and I'm not quoting anybody here, but. But this is something that has been a concern of mine for some time. I believe, and I think I've, I've observed this here even in our own church, uh, that lots of screen time uh, stifles creativity and imagination. Uh, it tends to entertain and, and can make our minds uh, lazy and dull. It hinders sibling camaraderie and the wonderful experience of exploring God's beautiful creation. You know, playing in the woods and the creek, subconsciously, if not consciously, points our children toward a creator. When they go out there and play in the creek and find the trees, they know this isn't man-made stuff. God made this. This is, this is something bigger Oh, it's, a, it's a constant reminder to them that there is a higher power. And it's starting to, to channel their imagination into the one who created them. Just like he created this tree and this creek and this rock, he created them unique and special, just the way he wanted them to be. It's not man-made. And that he has a plan for their lives. And he died to redeem their lost soul. All these things can start happening when they're out there exploring God's wonderful creation. And God tells us that people are without excuse because of how he has expressed himself in creation. So let's be careful not to let our children hole up in a corner of the bedroom and have lots of screen time when... They could be out exploring God's wonderful world and, and having some of these things uh, falling in place. Spend money on books. Uh, that's one thing my wife uh, did in our home. Uh, she was a religious yard sale lady for years when our children were younger. And we had probably ten times times the books in our home that I grew up with. I mean, there were books everywhere. And um, books in themselves is not the answer, but good books uh, can, be, can be a good thing. And teaching our children to love books long before they're able to read themselves is, is I think, crucial for you mothers. I realize that that time is, a, is an issue with mothers, but you need some rest, too. And so sit down and rest and read while you rest and have a couple little ones around you and, 
and uh, teach your children to love books. And when they learn to read themselves, the love for books is already there, and they can take off and learn. I think it encourages, uh, prepares them for school and encourages lifelong learning. I am worried that too many of our children are setting, are being set up for lifelong entertainment of their minds that manipulates and stimulates them with a worldview that is perverted. Yes, that can happen with books. I know that. But a book is not a click away. It might be ten miles away at the library, and they can't just grab one off the shelf in a split second. Like they can click here and there and get books that are not good. There's more control there if it's books rather than screen time. We need to help our children to embrace the screen as a tool and, and not a taskmaster and, and uh, how we handle that in our own lives uh, can help uh, set a good example for them. Now, I'm keenly aware that God's Word on the screen is still the holy inspired Word of God full of spirit and life. I know that. There's nothing spiritual about reading God's Word out of a book or out of a scroll. Um, God's Word is just alive and powerful on the screen as anywhere else. However, there are dangers, there are temptations. I remember uh, sitting in a service one time and, and watching a preacher uh, look at his vanguard stock while he was supposedly listening to someone else teach God's Word. Uh, if you can handle those kind of temptations, that's great. If you can't, maybe it's better not to have a screen in the church. But I don't have anything against seeing screens in the church if it can be handled. Mothers, uh, teach your daughters modesty. If you don't, it may not happen. Uh, it's important. It is very important. And I think uh, it's an area that we could work on a bit. Um, children can learn at a very young age to to start capturing the principle of modesty long before they understand why. Um, I rub shoulders pretty closely with the good family. Uh, those little girls know how to be modest. They come out to the shop and they talk to Rich and we have good times together. But they're modest little ladies. They know how to do it. And they have been taught how to do it. It has been modeled in, in their home by their mother. Um, it can be done, but it takes time and attention to do that. A CLP has, has a book. I know there's one book, uh, at least some years ago, uh, John Koblenz wrote a book, God's Will for My Body. You still have that? Uh, it's, 
it's a guide for mothers uh, with their daughters and fathers with their sons to, to teach their children uh, God's gift of your body. And uh, it helps, it helps, it gives, it gives you a tool to explain to your children uh, the parts of the body and how God has designed it and it's not ugly and, and sinful and, and all those things. Uh, Satan wants it to be, but God didn't create it that way and it don't need to be that way and it's and it, it really, it's a good tool. Get it, use it. It's important. Here's a quote by Aaron Kelly that I think fits into this, this whole thing of teaching our children modesty and, and lots of other things we want to teach our children. It says this, A good mother loves fiercely, but ultimately brings up her children to thrive without her. Do you capture what she, what the, I guess this is a lady saying this, a good mother loves fiercely, but ultimately brings up her children to thrive without her. Mothers, you need to realize you have a very small window of time with your daughters. It is extremely small, and it's much smaller than you can imagine if your children are little toddlers and the days drag on endlessly. <laughs> it is very small. Uh, Twenty years go by very quickly, and, uh, and they are gone. And whether you were aware of it or not, they're surviving now without you for the most part. And what you have said and done is... Uh, much. So take the time to teach them everything that you can possibly think of that will prepare them for that time when you have very limited influence. You will regret that you didn't do more. I promise you. But try try really hard to keep those regrets to a minimum. In closing, mothers, remember Jesus has compassion for you. And he wants you to have compassion on others. Uh, two, two things in closing. A little poem by William Ralph Wallace. Uh, we're somewhat familiar with this, I think. They say that man is mighty. He governs land and sea. He wields a mighty scepter on lower powers than he. But higher power and stronger a man from his throne has hurled. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. As you're rocking that cradle, that small child, that newborn baby, uh, you're rocking the next school principal or the next pastor or, or the pastor's wife or, or whatever you're doing. Uh, you don't know. You don't know the future of that child. But that child has a significant place in God's kingdom. And 
you should fear and tremble with the responsibility that God has given to you.